Hello, everyone. I am really happy to be back again. It's Basid. And yeah, welcome. If it's your first time here, you are very lucky. I usually do reviews, but today we are with a whole author. I'll ask him to introduce himself and then we'll continue with a very um, interesting conversation that I hope we're going to have. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'll ask you to introduce yourself. Who are you? Where you're from? The name of your book? Yeah, so my name is uh, Mohammed Mahmoud. I'm 31 years of age. I'm born and raised in London, but I'm originally from Somalia. And um, the books that I've published, uh, the first one is called Somali Sideways Photo Book, Changing the Perceptions of the Somalis which depicts a photo book collection of personal um, Somali stories from around the world with a twist, um, with fo- photos being printed. And it's uh, there are many different sort of um, chapters. So there are chapters on civil war, talking about the experiences that they went through and moving into a new country and things like that. And also many different um, aspects such as academia, education, um, business, entrepreneurship, travel, family life, uh, motherhood, um, and many other different um, categories in, in the photo book. So that was published in 2018. The second book was published last year, um, which is uh, called Somali Sideways Women's Stories, which is about the personal uh, human experiences of Somali women from around the world. And I've come to conclude that majority of the people that I've interviewed throughout the whole Somali Sideways project were women. So it only made sense for me to do a book solely um, talking about their personal experiences and their achievements, essentially. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. And I really love that. I actually only knew about Somali Sideways. I think I... I'm also interested in the first book that you talked about. But before we go into what you did with Somali Sideways, collecting stories, um, I would like to share a little bit about your, let's say, your childhood. I think it's also linked to the fact that you're British, but you have your roots from Somalia. Yeah. Could you go a little bit through it? What did you do? How did you see people living? How were you taken in this um, community? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think uh, there isn't one word where I would be able to describe my childhood. But um, when I was growing up in uh, in London, because that's where I'm, that's where I live, um, I've realised that uh, Somalis were, you know, going through different sort of issues because you know they fled a war and they came to a new country, um, learning a new language, learning a new culture, learning, you know, essentially starting from scratch. And, uh, you know, that could take a toll on, 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 uh, first generation Somalis that come, um, and immigrants, sorry, immigrants that have come. So I, you know, it was, uh, it was a new experience from my, from my parents, obviously. Um, and me being like the oldest in, in my family, um, uh, there was enough challenges for me too. So not only, um, you know, I'm born and raised in London, uh, I'm originally from a country where at that time I've never visited. And, you know, at that time, I didn't really even speak the language. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was basically a duel between, you know, where am I really from? And, you know, 
essentially it uh, for a while like as much as other other um, people in different ethnicities when they first arrive or when they're born and raised here and they're from another country uh, they they tend to they tend to basically you know try to fit in and integrate into the society that they're currently in so by doing that they kind of neglected their ethnicity to some extent yeah and and the harsh truth which I've realized is no matter there's a certain level of integration and no matter how how much you integrate in society you can never fully be accepted um and I think that's a it's a big like uh, struggle with a lot of people you know first generations they you know they try to fit in do what do what they do socialize what they, where they go um the events they go to and all these things um but then they they come to realization that um this is this is not me i'm trying to be someone else and in order for you to know yourself you have to know where you're from and in my case it was you know being somali so i had to learn about the culture the history the language the people um the struggles that we go through and everything in between so it was a long process i would say this pretty much started when i was when I finished high school and when I got into college, um, just before university, it was in my mind. And I would say I fully went into it when I started um, studying international politics. Um, that was my first degree. So when I did that, I I started learning about different countries and their systems, how they operate and things like that. So then I had a, a vested interest in Africa and their history and their culture, which ultimately led to where I was from. Um, so yeah, it was a whole journey from, you know, not knowing pretty much anything, um, in high school to basically, even till this day, having a vested interest in my people and, you know, the language and the culture and, and yeah, and, and everything that's, uh, that, that involves Somali or Somali region. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said and, how you actually, with time, you realize that you can't 100% fit in no matter how hard you try. And I want to ask, because everybody, no, not everybody, but most people, you have your classmates, um, we have people who are doing politics, but it's not everybody who ends up coming up with, um, let's say, a, a very big project as Somali sideways or whatever research that you are doing to, you know, for the Somali community. Um, is there a specific scenario that really triggered you and you said, I really have to do something about, um, you know, Somalis here in the UK or in the diaspora for me to, you know, show the world that there's a different kind of story they have not heard about? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 that's a very good question. So this started when I was doing my dissertation um, at my first university um, studying international politics. So when I was doing my dissertation, I was trying to figure out what I would be able to, you know, talk about and research. So I, I was assigned a, um, a supervisor and I was talking to my supervisor and I told him that I was, you know, I want to write about Somalia or the Somali region. Um, but I don't know specifically about what. Um, and he told me something that, yeah, I would say it definitely triggered me. But if I were to see him now, I would definitely thank him because if he never said what he told me, I don't think I would have done what I'm doing. Um, and what he said was, you know, 
if you want to write about the Somali region and Somalia, uh, he mentioned basically everything negative under the sun. So we're talking about piracy, terrorism, humanitarian crisis, uh, anarchy, uh, corruption, you know, failed state, everything that you can basically uh, think of that's negative. And he told me there's a lot of research on these uh, subjects, uh, you know, people have written on. So I told him that I didn't want to do that. And he said to me, so if you're not going to write about any of this, what are you going to write about? So it, made, so it made me think, what is it that I would like to do? Because there isn't something that is focusing on the people and, you know, the the things that they're doing. It's always focusing on certain lens um, and perspective on Somalia. And they've been basically re reusing that same lens for many years. Um, and what triggered me even more was the people that were writing um, books or articles about these specific subjects um, were not, not only non-Somalis, but they were non-Africans, um, you know, specifically white people were writing about where I'm from and writing about negative connotations and negative portrayals. I'm not saying that these things don't happen. Of course they happen. However, it's not the only perspective or or lens that people should look at. People should also should look at, you know, the different types of entrepreneurial startups that have happened. Um, you know, uh, telecommunications being the fastest in East Africa, and some say even Africa as a whole. So if if we are considered a failed state and anarchy and, and all of the negatives, then how is it that we have the fastest internet, you know? Like when you go to Somalia, even now, and, you know, you go to any cafe, it's like, you know, you connect to the internet and, you know, the internet is fast, you download quick and like, you know, because I, I went in 2019 and I was so shocked. And when I went to like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting these countries, but I'm just putting it into an example. When I went to Kenya, the internet was really slow. When I went to Ethiopia, the internet was really slow. And those countries are considered much more stable um, than Somalia. So if that's the case, then how do they have the fastest internet? So it, it's, it's basically what I'm trying to say is um, I wanted to write about something, you know, different, something that people can think about you know, critically analyze and think um, about different aspects of the Somali region um, through, a through a positive portrayal. Um, so I told him that I'm going to do my own research, primary research, and interview people and things like that. So that's what I told him. And he wasn't really happy with it. He kind of like, um, he kind of said like, it's very difficult. He, can't, he was basically trying to put me off, but I said, no, I'm going to carry on doing it anyway. So yeah, so... With with all of this conversation, it lit up a fire inside me. And I said, like, I'm going to try do something with the skills that I have um, to try and create some sort of um, impact, uh, whether it's through photography, whether it's through writing, whether it's through visual content or something um, at that time. I didn't have an idea what it was, but it was something that I was trying to work on. Wow, I am really um, impressed. <laughs> I have to agree with you that most of our stories, most of African stories are told by non-Africans. And that's yeah. a really big problem. And I love that in your dissertation, you had to go there and actually 
fetch primary information because that's really important. You'll find that most of the people who are telling African stories who are not Africans, actually they've never even been there. So it's a really big problem. And I think it's now time. I'll thank you for that, that you have started working on that. It's now time to start telling our stories through books, podcasts, social media, photography, anything we can do to change the narrative. And um, as I Understood. You started from your thesis and then that's what led you into photography, I guess. And then the book, could you take us a little bit through the journey of how you moved from dissertation and then to the project itself and then the book? Yeah. So um, like while I was doing my dissertation and doing all of this, I was um, a few marks off um, of a first class. Um, and I think till this day, I think he had some sort of... Uh, like he was very like you know salty because you know I did something you know of my own and you know it worked out pretty well because it was something that wasn't really you know seen or heard of so yeah I I think he was salty by but anyways so after I graduated um I was kind of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do I was trying to figure out uh, this project that I'm working on like there was a lot of things that I was struggling you know, I was doing the, the odd jobs here and there. And this idea kind of grew maybe two years after I graduated. So in, yeah, in 2015 was when this idea was kind of born in a sense of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to focus on, um, taking pictures of Somalis standing sideways, um, get gathering their stories, um, sharing it on, on social media platforms and 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 yeah uh but the problem was i had to get people obviously uh, involved in the project so i was you know i started off with my friends or people that i knew and you know i asked them about the idea and yeah they were a bit clueless which i don't blame them uh, they didn't really understand what i was doing but they you know they 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 supported me and they were like yeah we'll support you we don't know what what, what you're doing but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll stand sideways for you. So I said, okay. Um, so I went to like different areas in London and then I started taking their photos and gathering some stories from them. And then I shared it online. Um, and then people were like sending me messages saying, hey, I want to get involved. So I was like, okay, if you want to get involved, um, we can meet up at this location. So long story short, I was gathering stories, taking photos of people and sharing online. And then I would say there was a, you know, a little bit of a boom period with the project in 2016. Um, and I think it was because of a certain type of story that I was gathering. And that kind of blew up and people started like sending me emails and messages from other places. So not just in London, um, like all over the UK, Europe, North America, Australia, Africa, and Asia and Middle East. So basically... The whole world and you know it was kind of overwhelming because i was the only one doing it um and i was thinking like okay i have to like kind of think about how i'm going to approach this because i was doing this like uh on the side no pun intended um and when i was doing this um, project i was working full-time so i didn't really think much of it it was just more of a hobby and um yeah when in 2016 that was when people started like you know sending me you know submissions from other places and then that's when i started thinking about it so then i made a plan 
And yeah, I would dedicate like pretty much like after my working hours on this project during the weekend, um, you know, there'll be times when people will be socializing and I'll be like, no, I'm not going to socialize. We'll be doing this. Um, so I, I was focused on this a lot. So yeah, there was a time when people didn't really know it was me, by the way. Um, I didn't really show my face on, on, on any platform. So people were wondering who this person was. And like, I'll be going to different events. I'll be going to, I'll be walking around um, where Somalis are and they'll be talking about it. And I'll be like standing there or sitting there listening um, of people talking about a project that I, that I did. And that was the kind of like, that's when I started thinking like, okay, this is something where um, like people are talking about it everywhere I go. So that's when um, I was trying to um, focus on it full time. And then I was invited to go, I think, was it? Yeah, it was It was North America and certain places in, in Europe where my photos were being printed. Oh, and, and UK as well. So And certain photos of my uh, project were printed for an exhibition. So people were like, you know, coming in, checking the photos, checking the stories and, and things like that. And, um, and then whilst that's happening, I'm sharing stories as well at the same time. And after that, I thought to myself, actually, no, a friend of mine told me this. He told me, why don't you do a, a photo book collection? And that was an idea that I thought, okay, I'll be fantastic um, to do. And it's something that people can hold on to, you know, in their homes or, you know, they can carry it, they can read it whenever. Um, and that's what I wanted. Because if you have social media presence and you share it online, um, just like every other thing on social media, it uh, it fades away at some point. So having someone, um, you know, having a book of yours, wherever they are, um, you know, it's something that it's like a little piece of what you're doing is in people's homes. And that's a form of legacy. So I thought to myself, yeah, I need to, I need to start doing this book somehow, some way. And that was when I got in contact with um, an individual who runs a publishing house um, that focuses on Somali history, culture, language, and things like that. And we worked together for a year. And my book was published in 2018, in February. Um, and another friend of mine told me, why don't you do and like book events uh, and book signings and things like that? And yeah, like till this day, whenever I'm like, you know, at events where I'm signing books, I still feel, still feel like it's a, uh, it's a unique feeling. I'm still trying to process that. Um, but during that time, I said book event. Why would people come to it? I don't know if people would. Um, me signing the books and yeah, it was a bit odd. But I organized my first ever event with the project in July 2018, and then yeah, fast forward, I visited like around. 20, 24, yeah, 24 countries um, with this book, uh, traveling around, doing a book events, people organizing it for me. Um, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm bringing the books. So yeah, um, I was doing all of that. And uh, I released uh, an ebook version of the women's stories to see if it would, um, like, if people would like, like it and things like that. So there was a demand, people liked it and enjoyed it. So I thought, let me do a paperback version of it. And that was released during... Somali week, uh, which was happening in August, no, sorry, in October of 2022. And yeah, and then I've been doing a few events here and there. And um, my uni during my master's, 
um, no, sorry, after I graduated, they um, ordered my books to be placed in their libraries in the African section. So now Somalis or anyone that's interested in learning about the culture and, you know, understanding the people and, you know, and what they go through and things like that, my books are in the section. So people can get it uh, if they want. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy journey. I never would have thought I would be doing any of this, but life works in mysterious ways. And I'm a firm believer that if you have an idea um, and you think it would be something worthwhile, then you should put your energy to it. Because if you don't do it, who will? Um, if not now, when? If not you, then who? Well, thank you very much. And I now I now understand and there's there's so much to learn from your own story, your own journey. Um, and I hope so many others will also be inspired as they will be listening to this episode. So now, Mohammed, you've told us a lot of interesting things as you went through the process of creating those stories. Um, but I want to ask you about what, what gave you the confidence? Because we know you are one person who is telling a different kind of story about Somalia. But there's a lot of Western media, a lot of non-Africans who are bringing out a different kind of story too, which is most of the times negative. So... How did you go through that? Weren't you afraid of people are going to go after your back and say, what are you doing? You're telling stories which are not true. Did mm -hmm. you receive any negative feedbacks, any negative responses? No, uh, for me, it was um, it was interesting because a lot of people, um, especially because during that time, in a way it still is, but um, there was a boom period. And during that boom period, there was a lot of people who were kind of like thinking, who is this guy? What is he doing? Um, like people were basically, they didn't, they were asking me like silly questions, like, why are you doing this? And what was the, what's the purpose of you doing this? And um, obviously there's no, there's no issue with people asking me that question, but it was the tone that they asked me, like uh, in a way kind of patronizing. Uh, and obviously I knew what they were doing, but um, you know, uh, Sometimes playing dumb can be uh, a benefit to you. So, yeah, I was just acting like nothing was going on, like, you know, and it didn't affect me. And I would just carry on uh, doing it because I knew what it was that I was doing. And no one can actually tell me how it is that I should be doing it or this is the way you should do it or anything like that. You know, at the end of the day, it's your own path. And life is... Um, is giving you lessons in your life and you know and it's not because of an individual but because life brought that person to make you think about like you know never derail the path that you're heading towards you know especially with all the negative that's coming along your way um essentially it was more of uh i wouldn't say people were negative towards the project but people were i would say confused um they didn't understand what it was that i was doing um so it was out of ignorance that they didn't know what it was that I was uh, focusing on and what I wanted to do and things like that. So um, I don't really blame them because they didn't know what it was um, that I was trying to portray with the Somalis um, around the world and the stories that I was trying to gather. Uh, they they understood later on. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say all in all, it's been positive. Um, and if it wasn't positive, then I guess it was, you know, it's... 
it's uh you know the way i see it is when people are being negative towards you you imagine yourself with a ball and you know you're catching it every time and it bounces back off a wall so um you know if you allow it to go in then obviously it will affect you but if you bounce it off you and it comes your way then and you just keep you keep catching it every time then it doesn't come inside it's you know it bounces off so that's how i see it when people are being negative or people are being weird or people are being you know bad vibes and all of the above so i tend to not allow it to put it inside me because the moment it does then it alters everything that you know that i am and whatever so you tend to basically you know bounce it off uh so yeah i love the analogy and i'm going to start using it every day every day and i think it's now time to give my own review first of all i will congratulate you i personally read the book uh called somali sideways women stories so i don't have the first book that you talked about but i have the second women stories and i must say that i only heard about it for the first time with the conversation you had with kikit with muhaza i very much advise people to go check that conversation out maybe you also have a chance to see him to see his face uh but i loved how you answered her questions and after the conversation i had to go through your page and that's why i saw your story with the woman you met in um supermarket i think and when i connected that story with what you had said in the conversation i was very much convinced that i should get this book and there is also a story that you talked about uh in the in the conversation you had with natasha she was talking about somalis who went in kenya and how they once felt and grateful and what they were reminded by their parents that story also touched me and now that i have the book i got the chance to read um through all of it and it's really it's really inspiring it's really humbling it's i love reading books but it's not every book that makes it in my house because you know i am a student i might move any time so i try to when i want to read most of the times i read online but sometimes i'm convinced you should get a copy of this book so i only get those books which really 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 touch me that i think oh if i buy it this is an asset that i'm buying and i really recommend it to anybody because the picture that i had in my mind also while buying the book is not what i saw in the book so very many interesting stories and um i read one on the last page which made so much sense to me i have to admit that sometimes i open this book i read one story and then i start my day because i i really didn't know that somalis are this hard working patriotic no matter what is happening in their country um so yeah let me read the story um it says it was written by rahma ali it says so often we unknowingly restrict our own chances of being happy in life the desire to conform arises from the need to belong whether to our family peers friends colleagues tribe or cultural expectations it's a longing that most can relate to where does that leave the individual not all of us were born with that rebellious streak to our personalities but the desire to live in truth to ourselves burns fiercely in us this can only be achieved by breaking down those mental shackles we have created for ourselves people may judge ridicule or even ostracize what they don't understand but can we afford to let that define or shape how we live our lives be humble enough to take guidance from others 
be thoughtful enough to let the words of God and his prophet guide your moral compass. Be brave enough to allow your inner voice to be heard. Simply be you. Rama Ali. This is a very interesting story in my own opinion, because most of the times we are trying to do things in order to fit in what already exists, in order to fit in the trends. But this story to me, when it came, it was like, you are the one to set the trend and then maybe you're going to get followers. So don't always try to bring in something uh, that is already existing. Don't limit yourself. Just go with what God has given you, what you were given, what you're called to do. And then that's how you set the trend. That's how you fulfill your purpose. And wherever this woman is, blessings to her because this is beautiful. There are other many beautiful stories of women, um, how they're working hard. I saw stories of students. I saw stories of parents. I saw stories of how people overcame um, lots of different difficulties. So I really encourage people to go and find out this book. It's not expensive. And it arrives on time. I ordered mine on Amazon. So I hope that most of us are going to get um, the book. And we thank the author again for bringing out these stories. If not for him, we wouldn't know. So my last question towards the end of the conversation, I want to ask you about the economic part of this. Because, you know, capitalism, everything we have to do, it needs money. Uh, so how were you able to carry out all these activities as a young person to uh, what did it really um, require or take? Yeah, of course, like whenever whatever project that you're trying to um, you're trying to build, uh, you have to basically use the money that you that you have um, if you're working full time, because it's uh, I mean, to be fair, I didn't really use much of it, essentially, because um I was taking photos, you know, and 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 gathering stories in London at the time. So I didn't really spend much. Um, but I would say the spending sort of happened when I was traveling initially. So in the first um, project, the first year, no, sorry, the second year, um, I was going to uh, different places, and I was mostly doing it for meeting up with people, connecting people, and trying to uh, meet other people and other Somalis in different areas. So, yeah, um, I used the money that I had when I was working full-time. And uh, essentially, I was doing that for a while. And from the time that I was doing my first book, that was, I would say, the time when, um, you know, people started inviting me, people started, like, uh, showcasing my work in different places, paying me and things like that. So basically what I'm trying to say is um, these things take time and you have to have patience, definitely, um, in order for you to do something. And I've only recently started applying for funds, um, you know, uh, when it comes to like writing or art, or things like that. Before I never did. I'm glad I'm doing it now because, you know, a lot of people... Um, have asked me like how do you like how do you do it and to be fair the majority of the time I was being sponsored um, you know different organizations different um, galleries different uh, conferences you know I was invited to the African Union for example I was sponsored when I went to China at the UNESCO office in Beijing uh, so yeah like basically you know um, 
all of this happened because I marketed myself well. Um, you know, I, I started sharing online. I started sharing everything about the project, you know, um, not just the stories, but the people I met. Um, you know, if I'm doing an event, I'm sharing it. So basically, I've been sharing anything, everything about the project. And people started seeing my social medias and messaging me on on LinkedIn, for example, getting my LinkedIn contacts, sending me via email and things like that if they if they want to invite me. So I think we live in a time where if you're not someone who's who has a an online presence and you want to start a project, it will be incredibly difficult. But if you have an online presence and you want to build something, you realize how how easy it can be because you have a base, an online base. So I feel I'm so glad now that I've created that base. Obviously it took a lot of time and effort, but once I got there, now you know, if I were to, I don't know, if I were to do anything, any project, wherever it is, podcast, for example, let's just say that if I were to do my own podcast, um, because I have a base, it would work. Um, so yeah, you know, I would, I would advise anyone if they want to do something to take away two things. One is patience and the other is, you know, digital currency, you know, to create yourself online, to have an online presence. Um, and, and yeah, like, and be consistent as well so i would say those three things definitely i really i very much agree with you and there's nothing to really add to what you've already said everything you said so inspiring impressed but not impressed because i have heard you from different um podcasts i also see your page uh so one lesson that i took from this conversation is also related to what we read from the book this last story on the last page that you really have to go after what you're called for or what is really on your heart because if you don't do then um no one else is going to do it and just because people are against you as you said you know you had you know long conversations with your supervisor telling you how are you gonna do this um I think we really have to understand what it takes for you to bring what is in you outside. And I really thank you for that confidence because that is what inspired me personally. And as I said, I'll link um, in the description of this episode, the Amazon link for people to get the book uh, where you can find him on um, Instagram, Somali Sideways or on his personal account. And yeah, that's it. I hope people get to uh, read these stories and I wish you luck in your future projects. And as Randis, probably one day you also make it there. You are so much welcome in Rwanda. And yeah, let's support each other. Let's support him. And thank you very much again for accepting my invitation. And yeah, have a good day. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who has listened to this conversation. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.